Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Paul was not a guy that would sit on his hands or keep his mouth closed in whatever area that he would come and not speak of the gospel. I believe that the Spirit of God was so powerful within his life. Every place that he went, every situation he came into, Paul looked for opportunities to be able to share the hope that's found in the forgiveness of sin that's offered by God through the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through faith in Christ. He could have stayed in comfort and in ease, but far outside of his own perceived safety, Paul continued to move forward as the Lord led him. It's hard to leave the comforts and familiarity of home to do the work of God. And there's no doubt you can have an impact for the gospel no matter where you are, even if you never go anywhere. Yet, that's often not what God desires. As Pastor David reminds you today, God often called Paul to go to new and difficult places. Paul understood the need to preach the good news of salvation and was willing to be obedient to go wherever God called him. Are you willing to have the faithful persistence of Paul to go and make disciples? Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 18 as he begins his message of faithful persistence. It was in the Midwest a couple of years ago, a man was out shoveling snow out of his driveway. How many of you are familiar with that little tap? Ooh, wow, a lot of you. I can honestly say, well, no, I can't honestly say because we lived in Kansas City for a short time and I did shovel snow. But this guy was shoveling snow, just working up a sweat. I got about halfway down his drive and pretty soon these two young guys, young uh, boys come walking up his sidewalk. They both have big, wide snow shovels and say, hey, mister, we'll, we'll shovel your driveway for $15. He looked at him and said, well, don't you see, I'm already doing that. In fact, I'm halfway through. They said, well, that's where we get usually most of our business. Guys that get halfway through and want to quit. One thing we know about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a guy that had faithful persistence. Through everything that he went through, through all the struggles that happened within his life, Paul continued to, again, serve the Lord. Even when his very life was on the line, Paul continued to move forward. While he was in Corinth and serving the Lord under, uh, again, great stress, great trials, great attacks from the enemy, again, the Lord brought to him that encouragement that said, the, the Lord said that, again, do not be afraid, but go ahead and speak and do not be silent. In spite of the pushback that he had from the Jews in Corinth, in spite of the darkness of the city of Corinth, in spite of the wickedness of the city and the culture there in Corinth, in spite of all of this, it was because of his love for the Lord and the encouragement that the Lord gave to him that it was through faith that Paul did not stop proclaiming 
the word of God. And because he was faithful in his persistence, not only in Corinth, but in every place that he went, the Lord blessed him. As a matter of fact, in the midst of all of that that was going on in Corinth, the Lord had him stay there for a year and a half. And while he was in Corinth, even though there was all this persecution, Paul already had seen the powerful results of the word of God moving and working in people's lives, in individual lives. As a matter of fact, Luke told us that while he was sharing there, he persuaded both Jews and Greeks. In fact, in Acts chapter 18, which is where we're at, down up in verse eight, which we've already covered, we've seen that Crispus, the, the ruler of the synagogue, the chief ruler of the synagogue, he himself believed in the Lord Jesus and not only him, but his whole household, as well as many Corinthians, hearing they believed and were baptized. There's no doubt the Holy Spirit and the word of God through that faithful obedience of that one man, the apostle Paul, was making a powerful impact on the people and on the culture there in Corinth. The message of the gospel was touching hearts and lives. Paul, this, this former uh, Pharisee, this former persecutor of the church. He's now standing for the truth of God's word and the witness of the resurrected Christ, and lives are being changed. Now, once again, because this is happening, the Jews were not happy at all, and they, again, brought on an attack. But this time, we're going to look today, they bring it through a different direction. They actually bring him to a secular court. They bring him to the municipal court. If you've got your Bibles with you, look at Acts Acts chapter 18, we're going to begin in verse 12. No, yeah, in verse 12, chapter 18. When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. Now, it might seem like it's a strange thing that the Jews would take Paul and bring him to a municipal court, to a secular court, because he was going against the Jewish laws, but that wasn't really the case. You see, the Jews knew that the Romans only allowed certain religions. The Jews were okay to be there because they were an established religion even when the Romans came in with their control. But Christianity to them was a whole new thing. And for the Romans, that would have been breaking the law. But the Romans looked at Christianity as just simply another sect of Judaism. So it was no particular issue for them. Now, after the Jews had made their claim, Paul was getting ready to make his statement, but uh, he didn't quite get a chance. Look what it says in verse 14. When Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be a reason why I should bear with you. But if it's a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. You understand, he didn't just excuse them at that point. I love the fact that Luke really brings out the fact that he literally drove the Jews away. Didn't even give them the chance to speak. Again, Gallio, he was the pro-council. He was the, he was the governor of Achaia. And, and, and any judgment that he was going to pass would at that point in time really be set up as kind of a legal precedent. 
so that whatever statement that he made was going to have a long lasting effect. Gallio tells him it's none of his worry. He's not concerned about this thing. And as he drives them away from the judgment seat, look what it says in verse 17. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio said, whatever. No, no, Gallio took no notice of these things. You got to understand, again, in this whole scenario, the the leader of the synagogue earlier, we just spoke about it, Crispus, had come to the Lord Jesus. They had to put a new ruler in the synagogue, and Sosthenes happened to be that guy. And it was probably Sosthenes that led the charge up there before Gallio, saying, hey, these guys are coming, they're breaking Roman laws. And when Gallio says, hey, this is none of my business, I don't really care what's going on in, in, in your religion, you take care of that yourself. Well, because of the disdain because of the contempt that the Romans had against the Jews. Suddenly, a bunch of these Greeks that were there, a bunch of the the Gentiles that were there, they grabbed the ruler of the synagogue, Sosthenes, and began to do the beat down on the guy right before the judgment seat there. And Gallio, the guy was in charge, he just said, none of these things really matter to me. Just go ahead and do whatever you want to do. You know, as far as the plan and the purpose of the Jews, I think it'd be an understatement to say it didn't work out real well for him. It didn't work out very much at all. And, but it is interesting. Even though Paul didn't have the opportunity to say a thing with Gallio's pronouncement that this is nothing that affects the uh, Roman law, it really did set a great precedent and it gave opportunity for, again, the Christians to continue on with their worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what it says down in verse 18. This didn't drive Paul away. No, as a matter of fact, verse 18 says, Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while. And then he took his leave of the brethren, and he sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. And having shorn his head in Synchria, for he had a vow. It's at, at this juncture that we actually see kind of the finishing of that second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. He's, he's headed home now to Antioch of Syria. First of all, he went from Corinth down to Sincrea, which was, again, the port city for Corinth. He cut his hair there. He had been letting it grow for a while. He had taken a vow. We don't know when this vow took place. We don't know if it was when the Lord uh, met him in that vision that said, hey, be encouraged. Nobody's going to hurt you. Keep preaching. Maybe, uh, again, it was a little bit later on during the time. We just don't know. But he did go ahead and cut his hair at that point in time. And he was actually headed, as I said, to his home in Antioch of Syria, but first he was going to go to Jerusalem because, again, the time of the Passover was near. Along with him, he brought Aquila and Priscilla. Verse 19 says that, and he came to Ephesus and left them, Aquila and Priscilla, there. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Now, wait a minute, Paul. I thought you said you're not going to go to the Jews anymore. That's what you told him at Corinth. Well, that was the situation at Corinth. But one of the things that we see in Paul's continued ministry, he always still went to the synagogues 
first and reasoned with the Jews. So that we see that happening there. His landing in Ephesus, again, the way the, the ship would go from Corinth across the Aegean Sea, landing in Ephesus, and then from Ephesus, sailing into the Mediterranean Sea and on over to Israel. Ephesus was one of the big stops. He left there Aquila and Priscilla. One of the other things we know is that at this point in time, Silas and Timothy don't seem to be with him. So again, it seems as though he would have left Silas and Timothy back in Corinth to continue to encourage the church. Verse 20 says that when they desired him to tarry longer, that's there in Ephesus, uh, with synagogue, uh, all that was there, uh, they desired him to tarry a longer time with them. He consented not, but he bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that comes in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you if God wills. And he sailed from Ephesus at that point in time. So again, uh, he had been sharing at the synagogue. The people there said, hey, why don't you stay for a while? He says, no, I can't. I've got to go ahead and make it on to Jerusalem. He had been accepted there in Ephesus, quite a bit different than what was going on in Corinth. Down in verse 22, it says, when he landed at Caesarea, and Caesarea, again, on the western shorelines there of Israel as it meets the Mediterranean Sea. Caesarea would have been the port that he would have landed at, a major city at that point in time. That would have been the port that he would land at as he would then go by land to Jerusalem. It says, when he landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. Well, again, as he sailed, uh, landing there in Caesarea, some 500 miles from Ephesus, then it says that he had gone up. And that is, again, the indication that he had gone to Jerusalem. Anytime, every time, from wherever you go, when you go to Jerusalem, you always go up to Jerusalem. When you leave Jerusalem, anytime, wherever, whatever direction you go, when you leave Jerusalem, you go down from Jerusalem. It's not necessarily a topographical uh, description, not a geographical description. It is definitely a theological description, according to the Jews. You always go up to Jerusalem, and when you leave Jerusalem, you go down from Jerusalem. Paul saluted the church there. He saluted the, the church leaders, the other apostles that were there in Jerusalem. And then when he left Jerusalem, it says that he went down to Antioch. And Antioch was actually almost directly north of Jerusalem. This is now the end of Paul's second missionary journey. Luke introduces the third missionary journey in kind of a, a, a brief way. Uh, he actually covers a whole lot of territory in the next couple of verses. And it would seem that uh, Luke, as he's speaking about that, not much was going on in those cities on the way. He finally gets to Ephesus, and later on, we spend some time there in Ephesus and what God's doing there. But look at verse 23. After he had spent some time there, after Paul had spent some time in Antioch, his home church, he then departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia. Now that's the whole Asian area, the areas that he had gone over before in his first missionary journey and in his second missionary journey. No doubt, even as it says here, he was strengthening all the disciples, stopping at these other churches at least for a while. You look at a guy like the Apostle Paul, and you see a man there that is moved by the power of God. 
Paul was an intelligent man. There's no doubt about that. Paul was a driven man. There's no doubt about that. We see that even when persecuting the church. I mean, nothing was going to stop the apostle Paul. That's just the kind of guy that he was. But you know what? He could have lived out his entire Christian life making a great impact on the city of his birth, and that was Tarsus. Or he could have been there in Jerusalem, the very birthplace of the church, where all the other apostles were, and he could have made a big impact on the church there in Jerusalem. He had been in Antioch of Syria for a while. As a matter of fact, Barnabas had gone and gotten Paul and said, hey, come help me, man. The church is growing. I need some assistance here. He could have stayed there in Antioch of Assyria and made a great impact for the Lord there in Antioch of Syria. But that wasn't God's call on his life. God had called Paul to leave the comforts of home, the familiarity of his own culture, and go to places where the gospel needed to be spread. And Paul was moved by his love for the Savior, by the power and the Spirit of God within his own life, that again, he continued to go as the Lord led him. As a matter of fact, we read later, he writes to the church in Corinth. And in that letter to the church in Corinth, he says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul was not a guy that would sit on his hands or keep his mouth closed in whatever area that he would come and not speak of the gospel. I believe that the Spirit of God was so powerful within his life. Every place that he went, every situation he came into, Paul looked for opportunities to be able to share the hope that's found in the forgiveness of sin that's offered by God through the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through faith in Christ. He could have stayed in comfort and in ease, but far outside of his own perceived safety, Paul continued to move forward as the Lord led him. As a matter of fact, he tells the church in Rome, he writes in Romans 15, and so I've made it my aim, my personal aim, to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it's written, to whom he uh, was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Paul says, I'm not going to sit around, literally, I'm not going to sit around with a bunch of other Christians. I'm going to go where the word of God has not been proclaimed. I'm going to go and I'm going to make a difference in people's lives who've never heard the gospel before. The Holy Spirit leading him, absolutely. But it was also Paul's love for the Lord Jesus and his understanding that men and women everywhere need to hear that reality of salvation through Christ. He traveled and he ministered to people a variety of ethnicities, a variety of cultures, those that some that had been raised up in religion, some that had no concept of religion or any foundation at all. Why? Because of his love and his compassion for the Savior and because he was that close to Christ, that same love that Christ has for the world was flowing through Paul in order that he might minister that truth to others. 
As a matter of fact, he writes to the church in Galatia, in Galatians chapter three. He says, there's no difference among those that God calls to himself. All people are the same. He writes, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek there's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It did not matter the ethnicity. It did not matter the culture. It did not matter the background. It did not matter the history, the events of life. Paul says, when you come to Christ, you are one in Christ. Similarly, he wrote to the church of Colossia. He says, you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. In other words, what he's saying, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter your family. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter anything. When you and I come to Christ, we put on a new man, a new woman. Uh, well, as the case may be, uh, a, a new person. We, and it is made in the image of, of God. That's why we can look around at each other. We shouldn't see the differences of culture. We shouldn't see the differences of ethnicity. We shouldn't see the difference of economy or background or life history. We see one another as a great and a new creation in Christ Jesus. He says, in him we were created where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, Christ is all and in all. If he was from the South, he would have said, Christ is all and in you all. Okay. The same message he wrote to the church of Ephesus, the same message he wrote to the church in Rome, he, the same message he wrote to the church in Corinth, again, that those who are in Christ, we are one in him. Paul was so evidently moved by the Holy Spirit in his life that nothing else in his life mattered at all. How do we know that? It's what he wrote to the church in Philippi. To the church in Philippi in, in chapter three, he says, whatever things that were gain for me, these things I counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, but I count them as rubbish. One version says, I count them as dung. And if you have a hard understanding of what dung is, go out to one of our dairies. You'll find out what dung is really quick. I count them as dung that I may gain Christ that I might be found in him. Paul said there's nothing else in this world that matters to me as much as Jesus Christ matters to me. He was utmost in his life, in his thoughts, in his focus, in his plans, and in his purposes. And because of that, God used him in an awesome and a mighty way. But you know what? Paul was an individual just like we are. But he knew what his priorities. He had a 
faithful persistence that caused him to continue to follow hard after Christ. And he wasn't doing it on his own strength. He was driven literally by the intenseness of his love for the Savior and the work of the Holy Spirit within his life. And when Paul came to Christ, his focus on everything changed. He no longer focused on the things of the world. He no longer focused on the divisions and the hatreds and the prejudices of the world. He no longer focused even on his own comfort or his ease. His focus was on Christ. We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-